Indie Ball is going back to its roots. We're going to talk about what that means and much more on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. we are back again episode number 99 we are closing in rapidly not only on the second year anniversary show but also episode number 100 it's kind of hard to believe we've made it this long but we're still chugging along strong i'm nick he's will and we have a lot of news to discuss today everything from managers to new leagues to again a return to our interview series so how are we doing so far today you know what, Nick? Do, doing pretty good. Excited to uh, get into the latest in the indie ball world, or partner league world, if that's what you're supposed to say now. Look, we've already previously established. We're just going to kind of use the terms interchangeably, even though I guess technically, especially with all these newer leagues showing up, uh, there really is more of a distinction now than ever before. But I just, I think using yeah, them interchangeably. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, I, I guess that's true depending on the league now. That mm-hmm. there, there are truly independent, independent teams. Exactly. And kind of independent teams. Exactly. Like you have the, the weird quasi-zone of, oh yeah, they're independent, and then it's, well, they're mostly independent, but they have MLB branding. And it's, it's very odd, the future of independent ball. Who would have thunk that uh, when yeah. this all started and everything? Which, yeah. just as a side note here, before we start teasing the interview and everything and whatnot, I really do feel bad for the ALPB Roundup dude on, uh, I think he's on Instagram and on uh, Twitter, but I know he's on Twitter. He started doing his thing, like, exactly a year ago, like Jan 1, oh, 2020. At the, at the wrong time. Exactly. He picked wrong. <laughs> See, we both picked right. We started the year prior. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. I mean, at, there could not have been a worse time to start than like approximately a year ago. I know, that that's just rough timing. <sighs> well, hopefully hopefully the 21, 2021 season can make up for it and we have lots of lots of news to cover on lots, on lots of angles. I mean, at least we had the American Association this year, but yeah. I mean, it, w- w- when you're just focused on covering the Atlantic League, there's really not... I, I mean, I can I can say from you know I'm, yeah you're I'm speaking from experience, experience, but like, there's not really too like you're kind of just pulling things out um, and just, you know trying to trying to make some good content when you can, uh, but there's without games there's really not uh, I mean not even signings I mean these other these other leagues like even like in the American Association you're seeing the Kansas City Monarchs bringing in Will Kendra bringing in Ty, uh, Ty Kelly. Uh, and I think Jan like, Hernandez too. He, they brought in. They brought in who? Didn't they bring in Hernandez too? The guy that signed. His... No, not Gorky's. I think like Jan Hernandez or something like that. Oh, Jan Hernandez. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. They did. Yeah, that seems stacked. Anyway, like I said, um, I said last night, Milwaukee and uh, Kansas City are in an arms race. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's. I, I guess with I guess with St. Paul out. You you have, you have like a, a a battle to see who's the premier franchise in the American Association. I don't know though. Yeah, like I'm it's, I'm looking honestly like this is the first time I think I could ever realistically say this like a hundred percent genuinely. I'm really excited to watch the American Association season. Like I <laughs> I re, like I don't mean that as a slight against them. It's just normally like oh okay I'll 
I'll pay more attention to the East Coast leagues because, you know, I'm on the East Coast. It just makes more sense to do that. But, but like, this time, I'm, like, genuinely really excited to watch those two teams just play against each other. Because, but like, like on the so on stacked. the on the Atlantic League side of things, like you don't even have any signings, like nothing. Yeah, like it it is extremely weird. Now uh, we don't have a schedule. We don't even have like a full roster of teams. There's no signings. There's really no nothing. dispersal. Well, I mean, I guess you can't have a dispersal draft until you have until you have final teams. roster of teams. Yeah, and the weird thing is though, the only movement we've had is the uh, prospect dugout camp. That's the only right. real news that we've got. And then the Atlantic League just posts that over, over and over and over and over again. Exactly. It's like, and even that though, <clears throat> there was like a three or four month stretch where they didn't post anything. Like right. nothing. Like yeah. I think all they posted was like, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, that kind of stuff. It's like, ah, I like information here and whatnot, but. And even if you don't have any, you can come up with something. Exactly. Like, come up with, like, engagement things. Like, after the Gastonia name came out, they were like, okay, we're going to do, like, the history of the name behind the other five teams left in this league. And, like, that was great for a week, but, like, you could do other things, like, maybe, like, have a history day where you go through and, like, show, like, highlight one year in particular. You could do that. That keeps engagement up. I mean, like, there's, yeah, there's ideas they could have done, which it just seems like they're slacking on. Yeah, it, it, I really wish I knew what was going on behind closed doors. So I'm sure there's a lot going on behind closed doors, but nobody has a clue. Yeah, that's the or issue. Or may, may, maybe nobody in the league has a clue. I, I'm not sure. See, like, I understand there being a lot of flux right now. It's not easy to lose, you know, two sure. teams. And I don't want to say it was short notice because, I mean, like, Ever, it's been like the most open secret that Sugarland has never really been the most devout member of the league, and that they were always kind of looking for their shout out. And then once they got it, the guy, uh, Somerset, I grant you a little bit more room, but I mean, again, let's be honest, it was not exactly like the most shocking thing in the world if you're in the league. But still, yeah. I'll, I'll grant them you lose two teams in a short amount of time. That's never easy to cope with or deal with. But again, at the same time, you need to be able to rebound from that. And they just seem to have been caught without any sort of a plan there. Then, I mean, like, we're going to talk about Tri-City in a little bit here. But, like, you last on Tri-City. Seemingly, if you're going to look in footprint, what really is left for you to go after? Like, a decrepit stadium up in Rhode Island. Lowell. Uh, a stadium in Connecticut, which we've seen how the last two Connecticut teams, you know, went which, more fittingly, I think New Britain would be the comparison there, and they went just so swimmingly. Some decent teams there, uh, outside of like the play on the field, and they had some big names, but you know. But even still, it just it, it wasn't financially viable. It didn't survive. No. So I mean, like no. that's obviously going to be a major problem, a major factor when you're looking at you know the league as a whole. So, I mean, like, where are you really going to go to get these teams? Are you going to go out to Kentucky, which is certainly outside the footprint? Are you going to be going to West Virginia, which, you know, doesn't seem exactly like the most ideal Atlantic League market? Unless you have, like, a couple of cities that are building new ballparks, which if that were the case, then I have a feeling that, you know, we would have been hearing about that for some time, or at least heard the rumblings of, oh, there's a new ballpark being built in, like, so-and-so town, in so-and-so state right 
then that would be a perfect solution, but that's just not really happening. And given the fact we're still in a pandemic and finances aren't exactly what they, what you want them to be, unless you, you know, invested heavily into like game stock or something recently. Um, it's not like you're really having new construction coming up. There's, you're not going to have that kind of ideal setup like you had in Gastonia and in high point where, you know, you got brand new construction built. Actually, that's the case for, the vast majority of the teams in this league now, at least actually maybe all of them, given the teams that have dropped out here. I mean, Southern Maryland had a ballpark built for them. Both Pennsylvania teams did. Long Island did. I mean, both North Carolina teams also did. So, I mean, it seems like every team in the league had a ballpark that was built for them. You know, yeah, but yeah. It, it, obviously that's like the, that's the gold standard, you know, I mean, that that's but, historically speaking, that's the way like teams come into indie ball. But I think at this point, the, you take what you can the get. contraction of the minor leagues is so like, it's such a revolutionary idea that I, it, it's, it's really hard to say like, well, um, all these teams had stadiums built for themselves. I mean, yeah, but you also didn't lose two teams in a year going to affiliated baseball and now you're scrambling because you have a six-team league. Yeah, like I, I definitely get where they're coming from, and I, I understand that. And you're not going to get that kind of ideal setup like you've had in the recent past here. But at the same time, though, they've kind of dragged their feet on the markets that you'd want to get, and even the more like experimental markets. And uh, I just, I'm not really sure, like where they're going to go from here. Because it's like, okay, well, what markets do you really, really look at as like grade A opportunities that are still left that are also inside the footprint, which is really just the Atlantic coast at this point? I think you got to go to Lexington. That's just me. I mean, like, obviously, Lexington's got to be one. Well, Lexington's obviously the best market that's left. Uh, There's no real arguing that point. But if you're looking, I'm just saying inside the footprint, like, you're really left with Lowell. Obviously, if you go Lexington, I imagine you'd stick them in the division with the two North Carolina teams, and then you put Southern Maryland in there, I guess would be the way you do that. And then you put, uh, you'd need both Pennsylvania teams, Long Island, and then, like, you don't want a Road Warrior team. I don't know if that's even on the table, to be honest. But if you got Lowell, you wouldn't even have to discuss it. You'd get to eight. But the talk of them wanting to be at 10, I just don't know where the hell they're finding no, 10 no. markets. I, I, like, I, I don't I, I know. Don't, I don't see that. Like, I, I don't see it at all. Like, I mean, it's been going around that they want to be at 10, and it's great. You could be, you could want to be at any number you want, but the fact remains, there isn't four markets open. There just isn't. Yeah. At least not this time. I mean, if Alabama wound up working out or something like that were to happen, then yeah, I mean, that, that would give you another one. You'd be up to three all of a sudden, and... You know, you'd be on your way to getting to 10, but I, I don't see how that happens. So they're the Atlantic. I like how we just did this kind of impromptu, too. But Yeah. Now that this was not planned. Yeah. But yeah, it's always good because there's a good it's a good discussion to have because like, what are they doing? Like, at least with the Frontier League, we know at least sometime in February, the plan is to release a schedule, either end or, or not end, either the beginning or middle of February. We're going to have a schedule. At least right. that's the plan as of right now. The American Association, it's clear they plan on operating business as usual once they get their whole team slate figured out and everything. And they determine what their plan is there. But they're still signing players. They're still proceeding as of though it were a regular season. As for every other like 
totally independent non-partnership league. They're doing what they're doing. They're just kind of building up their own leagues and the Pioneer League's kind of out there releasing schedules, doing everything they they would normally do. So the Atlantic League's kind of the outlier here where they're doing nothing. At least they haven't yeah. released anything. There's no kind of update here. And like I don't expect an them just An update re- would be nice. Yeah, an like, update would really be nice. Like I don't, and I don't expect them just to release something like, "Oh, we're still working on the schedule and whatnot." And I'd rather them not say anything than be like, "The schedule will be out in February," and then we go through February and it's not there, and then they go, "Oh, well, it'll be out in March," and then it's still not there in March. Like I'd rather them just release it once and make sure it's right than a bunch of other things here. But I would still appreciate, you know, having an update. Like, being like, okay, we're working towards getting two more teams into the league. We have a tentative schedule figured out or something. Or at the very least, you know, let us know if we're going to be playing baseball or not. Like, that would be the important thing here. Because, again, the American Association does not have a schedule out. But they're clearly planning on playing ball, if not as normal, pretty damn close to it. So, I mean, like at this point, at least let the team start signing players, give them some clarity. Like, that's the thing that's concerning to me is you don't see the teams making a bunch of moves. Actually, you don't see them making any moves. So if they're not yeah, making moves, yeah, like if they're not making moves, and that's clear that nobody knows what's really happening as far as playing. Not, not even that. You're seeing guys like, like Will Kendrew, who's one of the best players in the Atlantic League in 2019, who, I mean, obviously he would have been if if he was um if he was still you know a free agent for lack of a better term and he and he was going to hang around and wait for the Atlantic League dispersal draft and stuff i mean and he would have been probably one of the top one of the top 3 picks in in the dispersal draft i understand from the standpoint it's he's obviously signed with the Kansas City Monarchs this week like he's probably tired of waiting around he's tired of waiting around for for waiting for for a dispersal draft that nobody knows when it's going to happen. And at that, at that point, I'm sure he had American association teams calling him, and that's, and then, you know, that's where he went. So the, the longer this continues to happen, you're going to have more guys who are just going to be sick of waiting for, for anything. Cause I'm telling you, like we know nothing. I t- I'm telling you right now, the players know nothing. I mean, I know that for a fact that I have people reaching out to me, asking me what's going on with the season. And I mean, if, if nobody has any idea what's going on, I mean, unfortunately, players are going to start to leave. And so this, this is something that's got to get figured out quick. Yeah. And nobody knows nothing. It's, it's, I have the same thing. I, whenever I posted the schedules, I think it was like two days ago now about the Pioneer League, I got a bunch of players going, Oh, well, at least one league has a schedule out. Because, again, you're right. Nobody knows anything. And it's just going to be more difficult as time goes on. You can't blame Atlantic League guys like Hernandez, who I'm sure would have been able to get another contract in the Atlantic League. Kenger being the most obvious one, like you said. And I'm sure there's a slew of other Atlantic League guys that are going to be signing in the American Association because they're tired of waiting. And at a certain point, one in hand becomes two in the bush. You know, you, you take what you can get because you know you need a spot to play next year. And you also know now there's probably going to be more competition than ever before for those spots. So you got to take what you can get here. So it's, yeah, exactly. it, it's all sorts of problematic and whatnot. Exactly. But uh, enough on that 15-minute detour. Uh, I suppose we should probably get to the interview that we did now. Normally we toss yeah. these things in before anything else, but... 
sometimes you just got to let it roll when it's quality content. So, That's uh, right. So uh, to go back to what we were saying in the intro, uh, we have a slew of new leagues uh, showing up here. The most recent of those, the newest of those, would be the Maverick League based out of Volcano Park in our, our volcano stadium rather in salem oregon so uh, we talked to mickey walker the ceo of the volcanoes here and about the league about the team and everything you can look forward to seeing at volcano stadium this summer so uh we'll let him explain everything about the league here and things you have to look forward to over the summer if you are in oregon and you want to see a baseball game so without further ado here is the interview with Volcano CEO and I guess head of the Maverick League, uh, Mickey Walker. We are back again to continue our series of interviews in the world of independent league baseball. And this week we have a treat for you. We are talking to one of the most important people in the newest independent league, the Maverick League. And that gentleman is Mickey Walker the CEO of the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes. So first off, thank you for coming on the show. And secondly, uh, did I pronounce everything in the team name correctly? Uh, you did. You, you got it. Mavericks League here at uh, Volcano Stadium. And uh, thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on. So I guess with that, we could just kind of jump right into this. And that jumping off point, I suppose, would be, uh, can we have a little bit of an overview of the league obviously uh fans in the general area are used to you know just seeing one team play out of volcano stadium and they're used to a certain way things are going to operate and run here and now obviously they have more than one team running out of the ballpark and i was just uh -huh. curious if we could have a bit of a an overview of what they can expect to see or at least how this league's going to kind of operate and run yeah, so uh, as far as the games goes, uh, we're going to play Thursday, Friday, uh, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. So, you know, we're going to kind of optimize those weekend time periods. And, uh, you know, we're never going to have uh, one team play two games in a day. So the doubleheader Saturday, Sunday will always be two different teams for each game. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be quite different for our fans, uh, this year. Uh, the, the nice thing about, uh, us handling all the scheduling ourselves is they'll know every single weekend that there's games going on. No more 10 game home stands and then, you know, eight game road trips and no more variable scheduling right like that. So, I mean, it will make it a lot easier for, I mean, the local community to plan for coming to the games if they know that every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's going to be games. It's hopefully it just becomes like second nature to them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that'll be the goal as far as the scheduling aspect goes. And then when they get here, heck, it's, it, it, there's going to be a lot of things different. Um, you know, obviously not being affiliated with major league baseball is disappointing, especially with mm. the way that it happened. Um, but it's also going to free us up to be able to do a lot more fun things that we've never been able to do in the ballpark before. And some of the fun, you know, antics and entertainment things that come along with, uh, with independent baseball. And so, you know, I think our fans can expect, uh, you know, quite a bit of uh, new new entertainment pieces that I think is going to blow them out of their seats a little bit. They're going to notice an immediate difference in the entertainment value in, in a positive manner, in my opinion. And in addition to that, we're doing all kinds of upgrades around the ballpark and accommodations uh, to accommodate four teams as opposed to just one. And uh, so we're putting a lot of fun pieces in place. I, I think uh, fans are going to be very pleasantly surprised. 
Yep, and so I'm gonna, definitely going to touch on those renovations and what that ballpark experience is going to be like. But first, mm-hmm. I do want to just cover each of the four teams because you sure. mentioned there's going to be four teams in the ballpark there. And obviously, you have some uh, some very well-known names for these teams, most notably being the Portland Mavericks, the kind of granddaddy of all independent league teams here. So I was wondering yeah. if there's any sort of uh, significance behind each of the names for why you picked them because I would assume most of uh, our listenership knows the story of the Portland Mavericks or is at least somewhat mm-hmm. familiar. But with the other teams, uh, I'm just a bit curious if there was something uh, significant behind uh, behind their names. Absolutely. Well, the Portland Mavericks was a huge one for us. We were thrilled when we were able to obtain the rights to, to use the Portland Mavericks name and logos. And that was obviously a huge deal. But I mean, especially because of their grassroots right here, uh, you know, not 50 miles from the stadium here. So that was that was really special, kind of a no-brainer for us to pay homage and uh, honor their legacy here. Um, the Volcanoes was a no-brainer for us as well so that we could keep, uh, you know, keep the franchise going and uh, be able to still play with the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes. So two off the bat were pretty easy for us uh, to decide. Um, after that, it, it became a little bit more challenging as far as what direction we wanted to go. So w- we ended up choosing the Campesinos de Salem-Kaiser to be one of our team names. Uh, it was supposed to be our Copa de la Diversion um, moniker last year. It was mm. supposed to be rolled out. Uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, our season got canceled and Major League Baseball didn't send us players, canceled the minor league season, etc. We all know that. So yeah. we didn't get to roll out um, roll out the Campesinos last year. And, uh, you know, we, we put a lot of hard work into developing that moniker to put a lot of hard work into developing that merchandise and that, uh, you know, that association here with the Latino community. And we brought in a lot of Latino board members to help us find something that, uh, they felt identified with their community here in the mid Willamette Valley. And so we felt it was important to still honor that hard work and effort that was put into it. And so that's, that's why we chose the Campesinos de Salem Kaiser for the third team. As far as the fourth team went, uh, you know, we, we had a couple of different options um, to go with and ended up choosing the Salem Senators uh, because of their history here in the Salem area, Salem-Kaiser area specifically. Uh, you know, they played intermin, uh minor league baseball between 1940 and 1980, and it's uh, kind of something that people from around here really um, associate with. You know, being here not too far from the Capitol, the Capitol building just being a few miles down the road from us. Um, you know, people associate with the, the Capitol building and, um, associate that with the Salem Kaiser community because, you know, that, that's something that stands us out from Portland and, you know, some of these other big cities around is we're actually the state capital. And so going with the Salem senators felt like it really identified with the local community here. And, uh, so that's kind of the story as to, uh, how we ended up with those team names. Okay, so they all have a a good amount of local color and flavor to it, which is definitely important when you're growing a brand and kind of to yeah. to revitalize a brand, I guess, in the case of the of the Mavericks there, and mm-hmm. and obviously, so I do want to touch on the 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 quality of play on the field and the kind of players that yeah. you're looking for to to take the field here, because I know we have a large base of players that that uh, often listen and a lot of guys that you know i know me and my co-host will who was unfortunately unable to be here right now uh we always get a bunch of messages from players saying where are their tryouts where can i get a shot i just want an opportunity to play so i suppose i'm asking uh what kind of player are you looking for are you looking for that kind of undrafted player are you looking for the guy that's just recently cut a younger player an older player or just the best quality of talent that you can get your hands on 
Yeah, well, you touched on everything there. We're, we're, we're looking for kind of all of the above. Now, um, you know, we, we had a couple of big questions to answer going into this. And uh, the biggest one was, how are we going to obtain our players and, and using this kind of model? And so um, I think the, the vast majority of our players will probably get, be guys who expected to get drafted and didn't, especially with the draft being cut down, you know, to 20 rounds this year instead of 40. Um, and then only drafting five rounds last year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys out there who had expected to get drafted over the last two years that didn't get the opportunity that they probably deserved. Um, you know, and in addition to that, there's a lot of guys that are being released because of these contractions of the minor leagues, guys that still had plenty of good baseball left in them. And, um, you know, this will be an opportunity for them to continue their dream, uh, continue the dream of playing. You know, we've already had probably, you know, close to 100, 150 former professional players reach out to us and, you know, want to sign up for the draft and want to sign up for our tryouts and things like that. Um, so, you know, the, the toughest question for us was whether or not to allow high level college players to play in the league. Um, and, you know, the reason that this was such a big question for us is because we're not a college wood bat team. That, mm-hmm. That's not how we want to identify this as independent baseball, not college wood bat summer ball. Um, so it was a tough question for us to answer, but we ended up deciding, at least for this first year, to allow high level uh, college players to play in the league, guys who expect to get drafted. Um, and there were a couple reasons why. First, um, a lot of uh, the colleges, as you know, yeah. Uh, kind of have a backlog of players right now due to, you know, uh, most seniors and all the players being given an extra year of eligibility after losing their season in 2020 due to the pandemic. So there's kind of a backlog of players that, uh, at high level players that are going to be looking for a place to play. And, uh, you know, considering all the COVID-19 limitations that may or not, may or may not be in place, for travel and, you know, things like that, getting some of these players, you know, high level guys from all around, we felt it was important to, you know, make sure that our player pool could be as big and as wide variety as possible, at least for this first year, we plan to reassess after this first year, but um, that that's, uh, that's our plan um, for now, at least. Awesome. And so I know you mentioned the model right there. And so I'm just kind of curious to know, uh, when you were looking at various options to keep baseball alive in uh, mm-hmm. Salem, when you decided on going with the four team model, was that some, did you look towards other kind of pandemic leagues? We're going to call them more of the circuit leagues where you saw a lot of teams playing out of one ballpark, uh, over the past summer. Or did you look towards, say, like a United Shore League out in Michigan that's been doing something uh, fairly similar for the past couple of years now? Or was this something mm-hmm. that you just kind of built straight from the ground up and just said, we're going to make it our own because our situation is different from their situation? Yeah. Uh, um, that's a, that's a great question. And the, the straightforward answer is a little bit of both. Uh, the, the one thing we didn't pull from was some of these pop-up leagues that came up last summer. That was, we had already kind of had this idea in place long before a lot of these pop-up leagues happened. Um, you know, we, we kind of came up with this idea, um, Right after it was unveiled to us what Major League Baseball's plan was back in fall of 2019. So, you know, we had kind of been planning, prepping, doing all that stuff long before some of these pop-up leagues, uh, uh, you know, came up. Uh, but we did look to the United Shoals Professional Baseball League for um, for some guidance. And we, we t- chatted with them and, you know... Um, I actually had a very good friend of mine who played for the United Shores Professional Baseball League in 2019, and uh, he told me about it uh, during while he was playing there. And that's how it originally that model uh, came onto my radar here and onto the radar of our front office here. 
And so that's, that, that kind of became the leading, um, the leading goal for us moving forward. And so I, I guess to answer your question, it was an idea that we, we had had and perfected and our situation is a little bit different. It's not the same as the US PBL. Um, but it's, uh, we did kind of, um, you know, uh, take, take what they're doing and how successfully they're doing and try to figure out how we could apply that to ours as well. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And, uh, so I guess now I want to you know, go back to that fan experience at the ballpark because at the end of the day, yeah. that is one of, if not the most important thing, uh, when you set up an independent league team is making sure that the people that are showing up are having a good time and want to come back again the next night. So yeah. I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through what are some of the key aspects or the things that you want to highlight that you know are going to be part of that fan experience, uh, when the, first game starts yeah so i mean i i can't really go into uh, a ton of detail because we're trying to kind of keep it uh, yeah. close to the vest for now just because we want it to be fun we want it to be special we want people to be surprised but yeah. um what i can say is that we we had kind of had limitations as far as what we could do um you know yeah. over the last few years of being affiliated with minor league and major league baseball and one of the simplest ones um that I think is actually a pretty big deal is, you know, we weren't, we have the capability with our scoreboard to do in game replay and to, you know, provide these kind of cool videos with our cameras and our uh, streaming system uh, to be able to provide, you know, cool in game replay, show close plays, things like that. But we weren't allowed to do that uh, for a variety of reasons being associated with minor league baseball. And it's just a ton of simple things like that of being able to show in game replay now that we hadn't been allowed to do before. But that's just one example that I think will be pretty cool. But there's dozens of those type of examples that we'll be able to just enhance fan experience uh, one little bit at a time. And uh, ultimately, it's going to be something that uh, a much better entertainment value than I think we've ever been able to offer here in our 25 years. Uh, so it's going to be, and I, I don't mean to keep prying on this, but it's going to be more, a little more like, uh, say, like a St. Paul was kind of, as opposed to a more straight laced operation like you were, I don't want to say required to, but had to play within the bounds of with uh, affiliated ball. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, bringing in an iconic team like the Portland Mavericks, anyone who's seen the documentary, The Battered Bastards of Baseball knows the antics and shenanigans that went on with that team. And I'm not saying anything's going to get that rowdy, but there's certainly going to be some fun and some antics and things that, you know, minor league baseball certainly frowns upon um, and major league baseball as well, obviously. Um, but, you know, now we won't have those limitations. There's certainly going to be some more fun, some more antics, things like that. We're going to still play baseball. It's still about, you know, keeping the game serious. And, you know, we're not going to be, uh, you know, making a mockery of the game by any sense. But we are going to be a bit more loose and be able to, to enhance fan experience, make it more of a full entertainment value rather than just here's a baseball game. Sit down and watch it. Exactly, because baseball should be fun. That, that's the exactly. Whole point. It's entertainment right. at the end of yeah. the day. So if you're not going and being entertained, then what's the point of going? You could do a dozen other things here. Exactly. So then I'm, I am kind of curious to know. So let's say a fan's not able to get out to the ballpark for whatever reason, but they do uh -huh. want to continue to watch the game or follow along. Is there going to be some sort of way to say live stream the game or or listen on either internet radio or or otherwise? Yeah, no, we're we're really excited. We partnered with a local radio station, KYKN. They're going to air all of our evening games on the radio broadcast. Our afternoon games on Saturday and Sunday are going to be um, uh, are going to be on the internet streaming service as well. So 
um, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting. And then we also are going to live stream the games, um, on, uh, we haven't quite decided if we're going to do like a Facebook live of the game or if we're going to go through a streaming service. I think we're probably going to end up going through a streaming service because we want to be able to offer a true, uh, video entertainment, uh, a value to it more than just, you know, a couple of cameras mounted, you know, we want to do something better than that. And uh, that's a no brainer for us because I think there's a good chance we're going to have limited capacity. There's a very good chance that uh, we're not going to be able to sell any tickets on the day of the game because if we're only at 25% capacity here, that's about 1100 people, uh, 1100 people. I don't think in our 25 year history, have we ever had an attendance of less than 1100 people? You know, normally our average attendance was anywhere between 1900 to 2900. So there's a very good chance that our games are going to be sold out, or at least we're going to be sold out to capacity. So we want to be able to offer a different way to follow the games, especially since some people may not have the opportunity to be able to buy an individual game ticket because of our limitations. Mm. So then, uh, as far as ticketing goes, because I've seen you've already started promoting the ticketing and that you could buy, mm -hmm. I believe it's either plans or a season ticket plan. For individual yeah. game tickets, do we have any sort of a timeline as to when those tickets will become uh, available, or is that COVID-dependent? Uh, it's COVID-dependent. A hundred percent it is COVID-dependent. And that's, you know, we're, we're being very open, honest, and upfront with anyone who purchases a ticket because... You know, we have to tread carefully. Realistically, right now we're planning on 25% capacity, but heck, I mean, if we're at 10% capacity, things change. If we're at 50% capacity, things change, obviously, as far as seat assignments go, as far as individual games go. Um, you know, so we'll see how it goes there, but you know, we, we already have, um, 400 plus season tickets sold for this upcoming season. And we have a ballpark here of 4,300 capacity, or at least that's the listed capacity. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're technically already about, you know, a third of the way to being at capacity for all of our games or for most of our games um, for the upcoming season, assuming that it's a 25% capacity limit. Yeah, that, it's already a very impressive total, seeing as the full official announcement only came out the beginning of this week. So that's an extremely impressive number at at this yeah. point in time. So, uh, I, well, it's it's very exciting, and you, not all of those. I have to be honest enough, friends, say not all of those tickets have been sold in the last week or so. But a lot of them are carryovers from the 2020 season. People who had purchased season tickets didn't get to see that. You know, didn't get yeah. to see that season. So we're rolling them over to this season. But all told, it's still 400 plus already. Exactly, it's still 400 people that are excited to still see baseball in Salem. So I mean, that that's it speaks that's to right. The crowd. So I guess now it's continuing to talk about that crowd uh, as far as merchandise and opportunities to get out and support and represent the, the team you picked to continue to represent. Uh, yeah. Is there going to be any sort of a, a merch line coming out in the near future? Absolutely. We're working on it currently. We have a, a handful of different uh, outfitters working on getting us a multitude of different merch lines, variability. You know, we've already had tons of requests and people wanting to pre-order Mavericks merchandise and things like that. And we're trying to make sure we do uh, do these things correctly. We don't want to roll it out and have it be haphazard. Uh, we want to make sure that when we roll this out, it's going to be our best foot forward. It's going to be the best quality and it's going to be the best price we can offer. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to 
do this kind of meticulously to make sure that it's right. Because we may only have one opportunity to make this as good as it can be. Uh, we don't want to, uh, you know, start start off on the wrong foot in this new venture. Um, all Salem Kaiser merchandise is already available for purchase, as is the Campesinos Day Salem Kaiser. We already have those two lines fully available. Uh, the Senators and Mavericks are currently in development, and we're hoping to have, you know, uh, merchandise lines available, you know, by mid-February. So, I mean, that that's our realistic timeline, but we're going to make sure when it does come out that it's as good as it can be. Great. And so then I guess uh, you've been very generous with your time, and I know you, you said you had another appointment to get to very shortly. So I guess I'll just end off with uh, one final question, which is, uh, what is the timeline here? So when is the season going to start? When's going to be the last mm-hmm. game? When are we going to see tryouts and perhaps a coaching announcement and some of the names involved with the league and all that? Uh, absolutely. Comes Yep. Yeah. So uh, a very good chance coaching announcement will come out next week. So uh, you know, very good chance all of the coaches, uh, former major leaguers uh, that, are, that are coaching. I can't really say much more than mm-hmm. that, but very good chance that we'll be announcing who they are uh, come next week. Um, as far as the draft and the, uh, the, uh, the tryouts goes, the tryout's going to be April 3rd. And then we're going to host a draft uh, shortly following, a couple weeks following, between the four teams. We'll actually draft from our draft pool of players who came and tried out or submitted video and a resume or resume, if you will, stats, you know, yeah. back, uh, background. And uh, we're going to draft a 22, uh, four 22-team rosters from that draft pool. Uh, the coaches will actually personally draft. It's not like the players are going to be assigned teams. It'll It'll be a real draft. So... Um, that that's something we're looking forward to. That'll happen mid-April. All right, awesome. So uh, with that, normally whenever we have someone come on to the show, I'd like to give them a couple minutes at the end of the interview to you know say what they want to say, clarify anything they want to clarify, or touch on something we maybe didn't touch on enough or at all. So I guess I'll kind of give you the floor here for the uh, very end. Oh, I, I appreciate that. First, I just want to say I, I appreciate you having me on the show, and I. I'd be happy to do it anytime again, especially, you know, once, once some more exciting announcements come out and things like that, I'd be happy to, uh, uh, happy to do more with you. But I, I guess the biggest thing I, I just want to say, I don't really need to clarify anything, but you know, all, all the fans out there who are listening, I mean, you know, truly baseball, um, is dependent and thrives because of you and, um, because of your involvement and because of your dedication. And so we wouldn't be who we are. Um, if it wasn't for the fan support and, uh, you know, there is other baseball out there besides major league baseball and besides, um, you know, minor league baseball, like there is other high quality baseball out there. And so the fact that people, uh, still thrive, care, uh, and put their kind of heart and souls into indie ball, it's extremely important. And, uh, we couldn't be more thankful for all the support that we've received. And, uh, we look forward to hopefully having a great season and, um, hopefully being able to see a lot of you, uh, out at the park this year, uh, as long as it's safe and as long as we're allowed to do so. So ultimately, I just want to say thank you for everyone who still cares and that is invested in, you know, good old fashioned baseball and making baseball fun like it should be. Amen to that. That's the thing we've been preaching for nearly three years now on this show is how how baseball should be fun. There's other types of baseball that's not affiliate or not the majors. So uh, again, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. All right, so that was our interview with Mickey Walker. Uh, Again, thanks for coming on the show, Mickey. We appreciate that. And uh, certainly when the season gets up and running and everything starts 
you know, starting to flesh itself out a bit more, we'd be more than, more than happy to have you back on the show to, you know, talk about the league in more depth or update us on the situation. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing uh, who the coaches are and some of the bigger names involved with this league as time develops. Yeah, it was uh, d- definitely definitely a very good interview. I appreciate it. Even though I was unfortunately not able to be part of the interview this week, it was um, it, it was great to have Mickey Walker on talking about you know one one of these new, I guess permanent pop up leagues. I mean, I guess you can't really call it a pop up league if it's permanent. So I guess the I guess the wording was poor on my part. But I, I mean, the interesting thing to me. Uh, is I really wanted the thing I really wanted to touch on was the streaming and, and the the fan experience uh, part of that, and it was really interesting because it almost seemed like he was he was working for for something for something more than we're used to seeing from independent markets. Uh, you know, he was he was saying like, oh well, we don't know if we want to like Facebook live stream games because maybe we're going for. Uh, more from a streaming service to really provide fans with a great uh, with a great option uh, as far as streaming, and I thought that was interesting that he's really setting his expectations, I guess, for the fans and for and for the Maverick League a lot higher than I guess a normal a, a normal indie ball league where you have YouTube streams and such. So I thought that that part of the interview to me was really interesting. Yeah, no, you definitely went heavier into that. When- the one thing that came to my mind when he had mentioned that was how we see with some of the American Association markets, uh, their broadcasts are just better than others. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Sioux Falls is typically a bit lacking with camera positions and camera work. And this is one area where I kind of know more about it just because this is kind of my major. It's kind of what I do is communication and things like that. And there's just some of these teams don't really know how to put on the highest quality broadcast, whether that's just a, te- uh, a technology limitation or a financial limitation. Uh, a lot of times you just see like a couple of tripod setups with the radio broadcast on top of it, and it's just really lacking. So I do appreciate the, well, you know, we want to try and do something a little bit extra here because we understand, especially in the beginning, we can only have like 25% capacity in here and we want to make sure everybody is enjoying the experience when they're watching uh, our games. I will say, uh, they seem to go really hard into that Portland Mavericks business. You know, that branding, it seems to be like the, the grade A the lead sled dog, the thing that they're the most happy about promoting. And I understand why. I mean, it's definitely a historic brand. And I mentioned, I think everyone kind of knows about the Portland Mavericks and what they are. But just as a quick uh, crash course, uh, the long and short of them is they're kind of the first, I don't want to say the first, but they really are the first modern independent team. Uh, I think they played in like the Northwest League in the 70s and they bounced around for a while. They'd play affiliated teams. They were very good. There's a whole documentary on them. Maggie mentioned it in the interview. I think it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. If not, you can probably find it online too. But long and short, they're just like the first original independent league team and they kind of gave credence to the idea that you didn't need to be affiliated to be successful both financially and on the field wise so again i understand why you would revive that brand it definitely has some power to it that said 
uh, it seems like they put a lot of emphasis on marketing that brand in particular more than uh, marketing the league as a whole. I mean, like they even named the league the Maverick League. I would have picked something a little bit more formal, I guess, as the name of the league. And then, you know, went hard into the team names and everything. I'm not sure uh, what you think about the uh, team names in particular, because there was also a couple of other names that were, uh, I guess, historic right. to the area, too. Nick, wouldn't it be funny if they go so hard into the uh, the Maverick League and, and stuff like that, and then the Mavericks are, like, by far the worst team in the league? <laughs> it would be kind of funny. That, that'd be kind of funny, honestly. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, it was... They definitely seem to really mark. You're right. I think that's more interesting, and it kind of made it seem. I mean, obviously, the Constellation Energy League was they had they had their four teams, but like you know, everyone kind of knew the Skeeters, and they kind of just pulled pulled the other three teams out, out of thin air. But I, I, I guess I, I do see what you're saying, I, and I do think that's an that's an inter- that's an interesting choice, uh, but. You know, it's and the other thing I saw was as far as far as the players, uh, as far as the players, I guess I would have liked to hear more information about that. Um, it, it was a it was a it was an odd choice to hear that they're going to be allowing summer collegiate players if you're not a summer collegiate league, and I guess that's something I've never really heard before um, because. I mean, you're either a summer collegiate league team, uh, a, a summer collegiate league, or you're not a summer collegiate league. You're not a professional league that then allows summer college players. And I understand like the backlog that he was talking about, and that's certainly true. However, it, it's kind it's kind of weird that I guess you're saying you're a professional league, but then you're bringing in guys who are still in college. I, I guess to to me, that's something. I guess I really understand from my perspective yeah like what was that part was like i understood where he was coming from because he's right there is a lot of players that are kind of sitting there right now uh certainly what i don't understand though is if it is a professional league that that implies that the players will be paid and obviously if you have college eligibility you cannot be paid otherwise you know you lose that eligibility Obviously, they can't collect a game check, which is not to say that it's going to be terribly much money anyway. I mean, no one's getting rich playing indie ball. That's just a fact. Uh, you're playing to keep your dream alive. That said, I just would have thought that there would have been enough college leagues. Like, we've discussed this before on the show, that there's literally dozens of college leagues across the U.S., and yeah it, like not all of them are the highest tier college league grant you but there's always a place to play and there's always talent to fill rosters that's never really an issue here so to see that kind of intermingling is kind of weird and interesting and i'm just not sure from a business perspective how that works and i understand that it's just kind of a temporary thing or at least that was kind of the implication even still it is a bit weird that you're going to have guys that were playing college ball weren't drafted then guys that were recently released that we'll be playing, and then also still in college guys. It's just a, an yeah. odd mix of them all. I will say that much. Although I do like that they are kind of taking the lead from the USPBL and kind of uh, uh, modeling themselves after that a little bit, and that they're going to be taking uh, a different approach to presenting the game, making it more fun in, for fans and things like that. Just like I was shocked that 
you know, MILB didn't allow them to show replays of in-game stuff. I yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't. Like that's the thing. Like, what's the downside of that? No like, idea. I, I, I can't understand that unless it's like some sort of weird fairness thing where it's like not every stadium can so no one's allowed to which that just sounds like horse shit to be honest it's like if they're yeah. able to they should be able to you know exactly yeah i don't know that was weird to me yeah like i that's just really weird but either way that and also they still do get to play a lot of games too which is also a huge plus i mean you're playing a thursday through sunday getting a lot of games in there so that'll definitely help to recoup revenue and everything like that i'm mm-hmm. I will say, I wish we would have gotten more information on that game day experience. That's the one area which I would have liked to get a little bit more out of, out of him from, just because you know it's that seems like the kind of thing which is going to be the most interesting to people. That you know, I want to know what it's going to be, and I understand. You know, you just announced the league. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I guess it would be technically five days ago, six days ago. Even still, like I would have liked to get like a suggestion, like maybe. You have, if the forecast is projected to be in the high 90s or it's going to be a lot of humidity, maybe you have a water balloon fight the one day. Maybe you have a USA pageant for like 4th of July or Memorial Day. Maybe you have, you know, some sort of other event there. Like, maybe, like, you could even do like some, there's a slew of ideas, but because I'm on the spot, I'm not going to think of any of them. But, like, I would have just appreciated, like, a possibility, you know, something like that. But I right. understand why you want to play everything close to the vest right now while you're still figuring things out because you want to give out accurate information. But even still, I think a little teaser would have been nice to see here. But I am very curious to see what the uh, what those kind of changes to the game day experience are going to be. Just like I'm kind of excited to see, you know, what this merchandise is going to look like because I'm sure they're going to really go heavy into like that kind of uh, faux back look, which is For the sure. look I definitely like. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very interested to see what that merchandise looks like, especially for, for, all, for all four teams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I know the Volcanoes merch is obviously still there, and I believe the Campesinos was the other one that yeah. already has stuff up there, but it's the other yeah. two I'm really interested in, to be quite honest. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting there. And then uh, just a couple other things from there that were of note. Uh, obviously, they're planning on 25% capacity and, you know, individual ticketing. Uh, that depends on COVID. Obviously, you can't have game day sales if you're not allowed to go to 100% capacity. And also, you can't really do individual ticket sales until you have more clarity, which will only come in time. Uh, other things of note, coaching announcement next week. And there's a tryout on April 3rd with the draft about a week or so later. So for players, you'll want to get on top of that. Uh, we'll have links to where you can contact uh, Mickey and everyone involved with the Maverick League if you want to get inf- more information about that tryout or sign up for that tryout or anything involving that. You could go to the website and click on the show notes tab and then just go to the right link and you'll be given all that information for tryouts. I'm sure and that we have some players that are interested in that. But back to the coaching announcements. Do we have any sort of uh, guess as to who's going to be involved with this league? Nick, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no, I, I, I you know, because when when thinking about the the Tri City managerial announcement, which we'll get into in a minute, I did not see that coming. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure because I still don't know what their market is. I mean, you're probably looking at maybe 
former minor league coaches who no longer have jobs, maybe? I mean, that, like, that's probably the best I could give you. Supposedly, there may be guys that were involved with Major League Baseball that will be going out there. So I don't know who that could be, but I am extremely curious to know um, who will be involved here. Because it, once you have a name, like I really do hope, because I want to see this league succeed, obviously. Obviously, I want to see uh, baseball succeed everywhere because it provides more jobs, it provides more entertainment. It's just a good thing on a whole to see more yeah. baseball succeed. But I really do want to see them get like some sort of name that they can promote. Like the Sugarland League, each of their managers were very promotable in not only just the region itself, but also nationally as a whole. I mean, Dave Island's well-known. The Clemens are obviously well-known. So I really do hope they find like their Dave Island for at least one of these teams. Because if they're able to do that, then they can have some sort of name to market. That's what I really want. I want to see them have one name to market. So that way they can move on from marketing the Portland Mavericks. Because there comes a certain point where if that's all you're marketing, it's going to get really tired and really old real quick. And that's the kind of thing I think you want to keep shiny. I think that's the kind of thing you want to be able to pull out your bag and be able to kind of go, hey, look at this, look at this. You're going to want to, you know, come out and see this. And if you have a name or two that you can promote and put in the in the billboards and in the flyers and everything, it helps an awful lot more. So I am curious to see the names that come out of this. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So we're going to have to watch as this league develops, and hopefully we'll have more information uh, as time goes on. And if that's the case, then, hey, we'll be sure to talk about it. So For sure. with that said, we can kind of move on to one of the another news story that we have today, which is, as well just said, Tri-City and their new manager. So this is one that I think we were both kind of shocked about. Like, I heard a rumor that he was in the running. But I didn't really buy because I was like, nah, he could do better than that. And not to say that in like a negative way. But I was like, ah, nah, he's better than the than the Frontier League, I think. And uh, the guy we're talking about is the new Valley Cat manager, Pete Incogvilia. You know, the guy that just dominated the American Association and Atlantic League for like the past 10 years. That dude. That dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Frontier three. League. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 2021. Yep. Yeah. And 2022, and uh, he's a 12-year major league vet, you know, three-time champion. Uh, yeah, if if you've been listening to the show at all for any real length of time while we were talking baseball, um, you know that Peter Incogvillia is probably, uh, at least for now working managers, probably a top four or five manager in indie ball. And if we want to look sure. like all-time, he's certainly a top ten like, he's yeah. just that good. Like, you cannot, realistically, you couldn't do much better, if at all better, than Pete Incogvillia. Like, this is one of the most perfect hires that you could have for Tri-City. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, to, to be honest with you, like, how I view it is, if he's in the running, there's not really an interview process. Oh, yeah. At the rest of it's just like, okay, well, we're just going to... We'll do interviews because it's just kind of the courteous thing to do. But realistically, as soon as we you find out, he, yeah, you got your guy. Like someone really would have to go all out to, yeah. to prove otherwise. But of course, I mean, it, it is an it is an absolute out of the park hire. Like that, like that is the the Tri City is gonna is definitely gonna be um a, a, a team to watch going coming into this year. Just. I mean, just based on the guys, the, the caliber of talent that Pete and Cavillia has shown 
he can bring in he can bring into indie ball teams. I mean, you saw with Sugarland. I mean, the way he was able to market the fact that he can bring in players and send them to MLB organization. He's done. He's done it countless times with, with the Sugarland Skeeters. And I mean, just, just the fact he was, that Tri City was able to pull this off. It, it's it's a great move for their organization. Will likely result in lots of in lots of games for them to win. I guess the in the, the one interesting part about this is, well, the, these are younger guys that Pete, that Pete and Cavillia, um has never really had to, uh, never really had to recruit um, players and a certain amount of, well, I, I guess in the American Association, he, he had to work with rookies, but I guess th- this isn't exactly an Atlantic League talent pool that you're necessarily working with because of the age limit. But I, I, I think, Nick, I think you would agree that, I would not be concerned about him making that transition at all. I think that's this is an outstanding hire for Tri City, and I think they're <laughs> going to win a lot of baseball games because of it. Oh, absolutely! Like going into the year, like Tri City was of interest because you know it's a newer market, and it was certainly you know they were always going to eventually find their footing. Like I figured, year one may be a little rough because everyone's making that transition and whatnot, but by year two or three, they'd be certainly well on their way. Uh, this just kind of signals there really won't be much of a transition process. This is a guy that, I mean, if you're looking for sure hands to guide a ship, he's the guy that got sure hands to guide the ship. He knows how to win. He knows how to build a team. He knows how to succeed both on and off the field and independent league ball. This is a guy that, I mean, you can't say enough about him as far as, you know, his ability to win and to build successful franchises. I mean, the dude... He's just, he's created his job. And to see this now on a Frontier League scale makes everything a lot more interesting. And I'm not going to lie, it makes me really want to see the Frontier League get to 20 teams, just so that way we can go to, you know, five, four team divisions. So that way we could just see, or, well, four or five team divisions, rather. So that way we could see Tri City, uh, New York now, technically, although I'm still going to call them Rockland. And then. Both the Jackals and the Miners, and I just want to see those real four teams, I guess. However that happens, I want to see those four just constantly playing, because I, honest to God, think that would be the most fun division across all of yeah, see Yeah, I see what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, that would be so much fun, because, I mean, even though the Jackals don't have Pete and Cavillian, the Jackals are going to have talent, and exactly. then the Boulders are always going to have talent. It, it, it would be a very fun division and even even if they, they, you don't get to the those that ideal set of divisions with 20 teams they're still going to play each other plenty oh, and, yeah, and i think that's that's going to be a lot of fun exactly but just when you have those four all in like a divisional race for like maybe one playoff spot like yeah. then that becomes really fun too and i mean you can't discount the miners either i mean justin fiorello just finds ways to build good teams like i don't for know sure. what it is about him him and bobby jones just find a way like, I mean, yeah. just look at their team this year. They brought Trey Hare back, who was all right. I mean, he wasn't, like, there, well, there was points where he was really on fire in Fargo this year, but then he cooled down. But he certainly did very well in his tenure with the Miners, so now he's back in there. And I believe they just brought in Chuck Taylor, too, who bounced from, like, the Atlantic League to the American Association to the Constellation Energy League then back to the American Association and now to the Frontier League. So the guy has skill, and it's going to be very interesting to see there. I wonder if he's kind of the Breland Almondova replacement. But regardless, right. I mean, like it's going to be, they're going to have a very talented team. Like all the teams around there are <laughs> insanely talented. So, I mean, when you add Pete Uncovilia into the mix here, 
you're really going to have a very fun and very interesting uh, setup this year. And Tri-City again, because I'm sure we got a decent little bit of new listenership from, you know, the Tri-City area. This is a really good hire. Like, I cannot, un- I, I can't understate this. Just go look at his track record. Like, go back, look at what he did in Sugarland, look at what he did in Lorraine. It's really good. And if you want more information on him, I believe The Athletic wrote an article about him in Sugarland in particular, either in 2020 or 2019. If you look that up, it gives you a good like insight into his mind and also into the kind of difference between affiliated and unaffiliated ball. So I would definitely yeah. recommend that article. If I find it, I'll throw it into the show notes. So definitely check out the show notes too for that. But uh, I think we spend a, a decent little bit of time here gushing over Pete Incogvillia. But again, this is just such a tremendous hire. And it just, it makes me wonder what's going to be next. Like, wouldn't it be funny if the uh, Maverick League picked up like, George Samus, the former manager of the Saints. Like, they just go all mm. out. And, like, Brett Jody winds up going out there. Like, obviously, I, th- I think we all... Oh, just, yeah. Like, <laughs> that if, would be something, wouldn't it? They get, like, all, like, the grade-A managers from Indie Ball, and then the Maverick League turns into, like, the Premier League because of it. <laughs> that would be... That'd be pretty funny. I mean, like, I don't expect it to happen, but if it and, did, and Wally, I'd be Wally all Backman- Wally Backlund lives in Oregon, so he can go there too. Oh yeah, he'll jump ship. He's like, I got my ring, I'm good. Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay and stay in Oregon, yeah. and the Maverick League reigns supreme. Yeah, Hellenier comes back. He starts coaching out there too. Yep, exactly. Oh, uh, just go all out there. All right, so then we got uh, we got one last thing left to do today. Uh, we got the Pioneer League schedule. This is the first partner league, and I guess technically either the first or second. I'm not sure if the United Shore League put out their schedule yet, but the either one of the first uh, indie leagues to release their schedule. And a slight correction from last week. Uh, we said that there were seven teams in the Pioneer League. That was wrong. There were eight, even with North, Northern Colorado not playing. When Northern Colorado starts next year, there'll be nine, but there are eight for this year. Uh, any case, they released their schedule, 96 games, 48 of them are at home. Season starts May 22nd, uh, it ends September 10th, and uh, yeah, that's how that's going to work. If you want to see the, all those schedules, uh, I believe they're on the Twitter account, so go to at IndieBallPod and you can find them there. If not, then you could just go to uh, the Pioneer League website or each of the team websites, and you can definitely look at those there. So, uh that's all there is about that. So good on them for releasing a schedule. They're one of the few teams that are leagues rather that have. Yep. Yeah. Good. Good for them. And uh, wishing them lots of success in their uh, first year as a partner league. Yep. It's going to be hard to stay on top of all these leagues now. You know that. Oh, I know. It's not. It used to be just the three, like yeah. uh, Frontier League, Atlantic, and American Association. There's we. We got our work cut out for us, Nick. I know, like it, like I don't want to say it was easy before, because it certainly was difficult, especially when everything got started ramping up. Like before, it's like okay, well, I'll watch some of the American Association, and then once the Frontier League or Can, actually, Can Am was still around last time we we were True. going all out on this. So, like you'd watch both of those, but you can manage it. And then then the Atlantic League got in there. You're like, oh, okay, this is gonna be tough. Yeah, like it's just gonna be sure. I'm going to need to get like four different TVs and just set them all up there and watching <laughs> it all. Actually, that would be a fun little thing to do is if you know how the NFL has red zone. 
Yes. If we were able to do something like that for Indie, Indie Ball. Ball Red Zone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, so now we're, we're going to go live to Juliet here. The bases are loaded, one away. And we're, That'd in, be awesome. <laughs> and we're in the top of the seventh here. Oh, wait, hold on. We're not going to say it, but there's a no H star iter alert in uh, <laughs> in Southern Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just and jumping now around. we go over to the Maverick League. We go over to the Maverick League. That's. Nothing much happening at the moment, but we'll be back there. We'll yeah. check out. We'll check on them and George Samus and the Portland Mavericks in a minute. <laughs> I really do hope they they get a really big name here because I really want that league to succeed. But like, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Like, I really want them to get a big name. Uh, that's all yeah. I'm going to say there. Watch they wind up uh, like uh, like some Marin- like they get like Edgar Martinez or something. <laughs> Goodness gracious! <laughs> I would that they get like Randy Johnson or something. Yeah, that would that'd be insanity. It'd be funny as hell. Yeah. Uh, either way, though, hopefully, I'd be cool to do something like that. But maybe we'll maybe we'll wind up doing something like that uh, over the summer or something. And yeah, we'll see how it yeah. goes. But we'll see. Yep, that's about all we got here. I think we're at about an hour long now, so we finally got back to that hour minute mark. Interview was a bit shorter today, but that was time constraint on both ends. Uh, hopefully, we'll have an interview sooner than later. Uh, nothing's really scheduled for right now, but that's mainly because my ear's been on fire for like a week now. So uh, once my ear gets back to normal, then I got like a dozen different people that I can start scheduling in, and we can go back to interviews and you know having a good time here because it was nice to start doing interviews and whatnot again. Plus, I thought absolutely. Th- plus, yeah. I thought this having was a good pre- time. Exactly. Plus, I thought it was a uh, a pretty good show today. I agree. No, I thought it was good. Yeah. So with that, we'll uh, head over to the plugs and whatnot and kind of go from there. So if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you could do so by following at Indie Ball Report. Then you could also follow Will at AOPB underscore news. You could also follow on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. You can follow the show wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Like I said, really wherever you find podcasts, you can find the show. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for more content. If you want to find any of the links that we put into today's show or find any information that we use, all are in the show notes, and you can find that at IndieBallReport.com. Go to the show notes heading, and it's all right there. And while you're on the website, why don't you take a look at some of the YouTube videos and articles that were also available on the website, or catch up on any shows you missed, as all the shows are also on the website as well. I don't think I missed anything in the plugs. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add? Uh, I just hope Mackenzie Blackwood gets better from COVID because the devils need him bad. All right, then. So I'm not going to say anything on that front. All I'm going to say is because originally I wasn't planning on doing any sort of a ramp because, again, ear. But, you know, I'm going to say screw it and just go. I'm debating here between, and I'm going to let you pick this, MLB Hall of Fame rant or uh, my hockey rant. Hall of Fame. It, it, it's timely. Okay, good. Because the other one was going to be the uh, Line A trade. So, I've seen a lot of people here all up in arms that nobody got into the Hall of Fame this year. And that, more pressingly, some people submitted blank ballots. And saying like, oh, if you submit a blank ballot, you shouldn't have one to begin with. I call BS on that. See, if you don't believe that anyone is actually Hall of Fame worthy, why should you have to vote for somebody? Like, if you genuinely don't think there is, because there's a very legitimate case this year. There's enough guys there where if you're an anti-PED guy and a small hall guy, then realistically, who are you voting in? Like, Scott Rollin? You're going to vote for Scott Rollin. 
If you don't truly believe in Scott Rollins being in the Hall of Fame, which if you're a small Hall guy, you probably don't, then yeah, nobody on that ballot deserves to be in. So, like, I I never got that argument. It's like, okay, cool, they submitted a blank ballot because they didn't think anybody was deserving of it. And there is a case there. Again, unless you are cool with the PEDs, in which case, then yeah, there's like four or five guys that you probably should probably vote for. Would I have submitted the blank ballot? No, I probably would have checked Billy Wagner off because I think he should be in the hall. But even still, like, I don't, I never got that up in arms here. And more so, it's like, well, yeah, sometimes nobody gets in. That's kind of the uniqueness of the Major League, or well, I guess just Baseball Hall of Fame. Sometimes nobody gets in, and that's kind of what makes it special. Like, you could argue that the Hall doesn't operate the way it should, and I guess I could see an argument for that, but I like how it's kind of quirky and unique. That's kind of baseball's deal. It's different. So... I'm totally cool with it, and to be quite honest, I don't think that there was anyone that was like a a must-be-in this year. Like I said, I probably would have voted in Billy Wagner, but I can't see too many other names beyond that. Yeah, I I personally, I I think that would I have, were there guys to to vote in this year that I would have voted for? Yes. Uh, Do I think it's a disgrace that there are years that nobody... Or that nobody is elected into the Hall of Fame? No, I think it legitimizes the process. But, um, I mean, do I agree with nobody being put it, let in this year? Like, just from a straight ballot point of view, I don't. I think Schilling should be in. I'm, pr- I'm pro Bonds and Clemens, but, um, I, I like Roland as well, but I, I understand the arguments against all of them. So yeah, like- I get it. Like, Schilling from just straight on the field, he deserves it, but just all the off-the-field stuff, it's just like, ah, I can't vote for him on that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I understand it. I that would I would still vote for him. That's yeah. just me. I yeah. mean... Um, yeah, like I, like, I don't disagree with it, but, like, at the same time, I just... I'm also small hall. Like, I'm the guy that I just described, where it's like, I don't want PEDs in, and I don't yeah. want, like, a large hall. Like, I'm either, if if we're going to say it's supposed to be, like, this monument to, like, the best of the best, then it should be very small, because there shouldn't be that many people getting in, because, you know, it's not the hall of the very good, it's the hall of the best. Or if we're yeah. going to say, okay, fine, we're going to open the doors and let people in, and we're going to be fine with the steroid users going in, then fine, Jamie Moyer should be in the Hall of Fame, because he pitched for a ridiculously long time. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'd agree with Jamie Moyer, but I, I do see what you're saying. Yeah, like that's the argument I have. And then the argument of, oh, well, we were fine with letting like Pudge in and things like that. It's like, okay, fine. I'm cool with doing an audit of the hall. I'm cool. Let's yeah. audit it. Let's take out yeah. guys that don't deserve to be in. Because there's certainly names that don't deserve to be in there. Agreed. <clears throat> Lee Smith. <clears throat> but, yeah. yeah. Or uh, who was the guy who was put in by the Veterans Committee Baines. a couple of years ago? Harold Baines, yes. Yeah. Like, I want to know, how has, how is Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, but yet Gil Hodge isn't? No idea. Like, yeah, Gil no Hodge problem. should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, there really isn't. that. And I want to know how Carlos Delgado fell off the ballot that quick. Like, Carl, I'm not saying he should have been in the Hall, but he should have been on the ballot for another couple of years. <clears throat> right. Like, I'm just, that, that was all curious to me. But Yeah. All right. Well, in any case, that's all we got to add, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, so we'll we'll end this one like we end every show. Uh, Don't forget to play ball.